Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. That was the best in show we just had, dude. Freaking the pregame. The green room is where it happens on Bleacher oh, yeah. Plums. Let's share the green room stuff. Though. Yeah, we should just hit record the second we get on because we have such a good uh, conversation before we get going. But the bleachers are open. It's official. And, uh, man, it's a good thing we don't have to count the people in the bleachers because counting the people in the country who voted is getting a little interesting. It's the day after the election process. We're still in the middle of trying to figure out who won the presidency. But one thing I can guarantee is... The good old Bleacher Blums are going to always welcome you in, no matter what color you're wearing, and uh, we're going to have a good time doing it. So we're going to talk a little bit of sports, our uh, St. Arnold, what's on tap. It has a little bit of a smorgasbord, being that I'm Swedish, I can say that, it's okay. Um, we got a little bit of free agency ideas, uh, some manager news came out in baseball, and the, the Mets have a new owner, which might affect free agency for them, not anybody else, but uh, it's kind of news. I don't know. What else is going on? You know, the season's over, and it was kind of a lackluster end of the World Series, but uh, that's what I've got on tap. Brought to you by St. Arnold. My boy Tuttle, how we doing today, brother? Doing fantastic out here in uh, SoCal, my friend, and uh, I'm in a... I'm in a blue state and you're in a red state. That's appropriate for the t-shirts, but I had to do, I had to go red today. Uh, yep. We don't know what's going to happen, but uh, you know, you can draw your own conclusions. That's because you um, probably already had like three workouts, went through, you know, three shirts and you're sweating your brains right. out and here you my, are looking. My blue shirts perfect. are all, all taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Uh, things are well, things are well. And it, it is weird to have the world series over. I kind of, you know, as much as we like to kind of get away from, calling this a baseball podcast obviously it's uh it's baseball heavy we have a, a master's preview coming up next week and we've done some golf mm. podcasts but a 60 game season and a kind of an anticlimactic world series kind of is like a little bit of a downer wouldn't you say yeah it was i mean we're, and you're kind of in that lull too especially when uh the world series is over and then you get to some of those football games that we had over the weekend and i don't feel like you know, the, the, the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game was awesome just because it kind of reminded you of what we like about fo- football when it's just oh, smash mouth, good, good defense gets scored on, and then the offense comes back and scores on another great defense, and you see guys making some great plays. But uh, other than that, you know, the, the Sunday night game was an absolute – was it the Sunday night game that was the Cowboys and Eagles? Yeah. Oh, man, what a uh, shit show. Was it – oh, yeah, it was that Cowboys or Monday Eagles. night? I don't even know what no. Monday night football No, 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 that was Sunday night. Monday night was uh, – I needed that to win. So the Giants. Oh, the, the Giants, Giants. That's right. Yeah, Giants and uh, they Tampa Bay and the Giants covered. I had a really good betting week again. And, there you uh, go. Yeah. That's I, something I keep, we haven't talked about in a while. We haven't too, talked about that or total quote of the day. I've just like tapered off. I got to get back on <laughs> that stuff. Total quote of the day. But the Eagles covered for me. It was uh, – I had the Eagles minus like eight and a half. That's and it was bizarre. what? It was like – yeah, but it was like nine to seven, and then it was like fifteen to yeah. nine, and then they let that fumble stand. Which, oh my gosh, that was like, the guy was like right? down, yeah. and he had it, and the refs like, oh no, that he's down by contact. Like, nope, touchdown. They're going for two. I'm like, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's how you cover, right? You need plays like exactly. that. Exactly. And by the way, since I know you're a SoCal guy, for the most part, I turned the Chargers game off when it was thirty to ten, and Dude. didn't even pay attention to it. Didn't even like. I mean, I had a, a Bronco on my fantasy team, so I was like, huh, 
but I didn't look till Monday morning. And they're like, yeah, the Chargers gave up another lead. It was like 31-30. They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter, the Broncos. Unanswered. Dude, Anthony Lynn, and this has nothing to do with, uh, you know, whether you hire enough, um, you know, uh, uh, African-American coaches or, uh, or other coaches in the NFL. I mean, we just talked about this with baseball. Like, you got to get results, baby. And yeah, they lose more one. I was going to say one run. They, they knew they, it's they true lose. though. It feels like it's one, it's like a field goal. It's not, it's not one it's, possession. It's a field goal. So they lost to the saints on the doinked field goal. Then they yeah. lose to this on an extra point. They, but it's every year. I mean, whatever the culture Dude, is, this has been, been like four agonizing. years running. Yes. Like how do they give up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter when they had only given up 10 points? And I know they've got a couple of injuries, but the, but you're, what's do you blame me Herbert? Is, like, no, he's no. one in six. But that's it's the like, thing the is you sat, awesome. there, you sat there for three quarters going, oh my gosh, we've got the next John Elway. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're going, how did we, the, my quarterback just got 25 fantasy points, yeah. but my team just lost by one. You're going, how in the heck does that happen? They actually have three decent running backs, surprisingly, yeah. but I know that they, you know, a couple of injuries on defense, but there's got to be a way, there's got to be a format, there's got to be a scheme that you're able to figure out a way to keep the Denver Broncos from going out there and scoring. It blew my oh. mind, but it's just. Did you watch that game, by the way? Yes, I, I watched that, that game. Of, yeah. I, was like, I turned it Drew off. It was Locke. 30 to 10. I was like, this And is Drew great. Locke in the first half couldn't complete a, a three-yard pass, and all of a sudden he's moving these guys down the field. But Lindsey, yeah. uh, Philip Lindsey, uh, yeah. had a hell of a day running right through that defense. But, I mean, letting Drew Locke go out there, run around, and beat you like that was amazing to me. I, I don't have an explanation for it, but I wish the defense – but I feel like that's, like you said, the last three or four years, uh, being a Charger fan yeah. is watching them do well for three quarters, and then their second half is like they kind of pull off a little bit, pump the brakes, and say, okay, I hope they don't beat us, and they end up losing. Well, I mean, we've said this before, but, you know, they always talk about the prevent defense, right? It prevents you from winning. I mean, that's what it looks like the Chargers are doing. And then they've had so many games like that, whomever they send out, whatever, kicker or something like that, the pressure's on. If he has to have a game-winning field goal, you know he's going to miss because they're so used to not winning those games. And I was just... more pressure on him. I guess. I was just surprised. I, I turned that game off and I just feel like it's par for the course. But, you know, how do you change the culture... Uh, without oh, firing the coach I have no idea but the culture with Herbert and you see all the optimism kind of like this yeah. guy's got tons of potential but I, I don't know you know Dean Smith used to run the four corners at North Carolina um, you know he'd run the four <laughs> quarters when they didn't have a shot clock and he would just spread say, them he, out he's the reason there is a shot clock <laughs> yeah well, he is but gosh the Chargers need to find a way to run like the four corners offense in the NFL so anyway yeah, I, I, running back running around the backfield for yeah. a while I digress. I just thought, gosh, we yeah. have to talk about the charge. It was 30 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Turn it off. No, we talk left coast, uh, third coast, and that's anything to quit talking about the Texans and how bad they are. Let's just go ahead and pick on another team that's not having, you know, a great season. The LA Rams fall into that too, but yeah. um, it, it was amazing to me. And that's basically how it is. But speaking of changing the culture, the culture of Bleacher Blums is completely altered because of world's strongest man, CBD, mm. our nice. title sponsor. They are giving us a ton of product and it's been going extremely well. And I just want to remind everybody who's listening to this podcast that you can go to WSMCBD.com. I believe they have a uh, code you can click on there. that will get you 20% off here in the next month or so. So go ahead and do that. Uh, they've got tinctures. 
They've got salves, they've got lotions, they've got uh, soft gel caps, whatever it is that you need to create a better outlook and more focus. They have got the right amount of milligrams that we talked about last time that, for you. And, uh, you know, they're farm to shelf. They're not just selling you snake oil. They know what they're doing. They're going out there and getting you the purest stuff possible. So make sure that you go to WSMCBD.com. And with that, I'm going to throw this right at Tuttle because I don't know where to go with this show right now because I've got a lot of ideas. I forgot about all the PGA crap I'm doing this week, which is awesome. But it's your turn, Tuttle. Take it. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about the uh, the Tony Larusa hiring AJ Hinch and uh, and Alex Cora stuff. So, do we have any thoughts on that, Blummer? No. Uh, well, I was just going to ask you: Did we predict any of that? Did anybody predict any of that? There is no way I saw the chain of events happening the way they panned out for the White Sox. No way. So not the way they panned out for the White Sox. And I know you have a White Sox history, um, but uh, you did predict that AJ Hinch would be hired shortly, at least off air in the green room. You mentioned that to me. And I think that that's probably fairly predictable. Um, But uh, yeah, Tony LaRussa, I mean, we talked about the article. I sent you an article from Michael Bauman or Bowman from uh, The Ringer. And he just talked about why Tony LaRusse is the wrong hire for White Sox and the modern Major League Baseball. When we talk about analytics and we talk about the eyeball test, um, you know, I mean, we should be getting more progressive. And I just I personally, without having any inside knowledge, feel like this is a, a move backwards or a step in the wrong direction. And I did say this to you and I will say it on air. I feel like if they give him the, uh, you know, the sexual harassment seminar and the HR stuff that he's probably got a chance of failing that but they may give him some special, uh, special dispensation. I know he's an attorney uh, somewhere, uh, or he has a law degree, I should say, not an attorney. Well, but, sure, he uh, probably got it in the 50s. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we probably didn't say this about Dusty when he got hired, but I remember when we had him on the show or when you, uh, we used the snippets from your interview with him, I mean, you said he was like the youngest 70-year-old you ever met. Like, he was kind of yeah. impressive, and he's a great player. We had concerns manager. about him dealing with the analytics, too, yeah. Yeah, and we did, but guess what? I mean, he had a pretty good year. I mean, for taking that team with no pitching as far as he did. And I mean, you know, you you were around him before as well, but Dusty Baker is a you know a man of the people and he's got his ear to the ground. I do not well, feel like Tony LaRusso. Way more upright and uh, probably res- more respected yeah. than Tony LaRusso for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Well, you mentioned something and the article touched on this too. And I don't know if you're allowed to expand on it. You and I um, know the general manager for the White Sox, not uh, like we have any sort of like a mm-hmm. bat phone in the office, but the article touched on the fact that they hired Tony Larusa kind of the similar way to how they hired uh, Albert Pool. <laughs> they signed Albert Pujols, right? The GM mm-hmm. is negotiating with him and the owner says, give him whatever he wants and boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. It kind of sounds like the Tony Larusa hiring went that way. And wouldn't you, I mean, let's do the hypothetical as a, as a player or a manager, as somebody involved with an organization, if there's a lot of tension at the top and some conflict, I mean, I don't think that bodes well for success. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, there's an obvious chain of command, you know, it goes from the manager to the general manager to the owner, and there's got to be a, an open line of communication and it, hopefully it's a good communication. It's a conversation that you can have where you can disagree and get those things out of the way. And to, to be, you know, fully open about everything is my idea of what the White Sox were doing was very similar to what the Astros were doing when they built their club into a championship team. Sign stealing scandal aside, 
just the way they drafted, the way they picked up waiver claims, the way they made trades, the way they signed free agents. It was very similar to what the Astros are doing. And I, and I know that Kenny Williams, the president, I believe the president of baseball operations for the White Sox, yeah. used to be the GM, handed the reins over to Rick Hahn. Rick Hahn was the assistant to Kenny Williams forever. I know this is a little bit of a history lesson, but you got to know it because these guys have been together yeah. for 15, 15 plus years now. So Rick Hahn is now the GM. Kenny Williams is now head of baseball operations. So you would imagine they have a rather close relationship, having uh, worked together for you know, a long time. And then Jerry Reinsdorf, who has owned the Bulls and the White Sox since, my gosh, who knows when, yeah. since their existence, it feels like. Now we move into an opportunity where uh, Rick Renteria gets fired. The White Sox have a contending team, very similar to the 2015 Astros that kind of surprised everybody. And they have a, a managerial vacancy in an analytic, very well-built team, young, talented, aggressive, hungry, uh, flamboyant, if you want to use the word, with the you know bat flipping and the trash talking. Very enjoyable to watch. And I immediately was, I was like, Joe Espada, Alex Cora, because they're both Latin and they both are bilingual and they've led uh, championship clubs. And then A.J. Hinch. A.J. Hinch doesn't have the Latin qualities maybe that, uh, you know, those other two guys have, obviously, but he's been in the front office. He's a nice conduit between the front office and the, man and the manager's office. And one of the things I think he did well with the Astros was navigate and manage personal people. He managed the personality of each player, not just the team. And then, oh, my gosh, 76-year-old Tony La Russa jumped into the mix and Jerry Reinsdorf jumped over everybody and made that unilateral decision and signed Tony La Russa. And as far as I know, as sources that I have around the Chicago area, there was not even an interview between Rick Hahn and A.J. Hinch, which blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know where they're, what they're going for. Right. I mean, we, I, Tim Anderson's one of my favorite players in, in major league baseball. And, uh, yeah. Like Luis Robert, said, their center fielder. That, I mean, yeah. he's probably going to win rookie of the year. Dude, these yeah. guys and are good. They're good. And Giolito had a couple of good years yeah, in a row. True. I mean, like they're really starting. They're kind of like what the Astros were, as we said, like you know, maybe veteran three, in that he's been pitching. Well, yeah, man, three or four years ago. And I just feel like, yeah, I mean, what that that article from Michael Bauman or Bowman again? I'll just you know, I give him credit. If anybody gets a chance, we can maybe attach it in the uh, the notes to the uh, you know on YouTube or the podcast. But I, I mean, you got to read can. the article because I think it it kind of covers all the bases, and it's really unique in this day and age when we do talk about analytics. I mean, if you want to know something, you could just get on Google and figure it out. Um, <laughs> you know, like hey, I'll Google this. Oh yeah, yeah, Tony Larusa was uh, playing in the you know late sixties, early seventies, you know, he's been managing for 35, 40 years. He does like, have experience with Reinsdorf having managed the White Sox back in 1986. So, yeah. 1986 I mean, when they wore those crazy uniforms. So again, I just, it feels like a, a I don't know, are we in a time warp or a time machine? If yeah. somebody like got out of their time machine and went, Tony La Russa is still managing the White Sox. Like, Would that be a good thing though? I mean, is it good to have that old school mentality that I, I want to ask you this is, is it good to have somebody that old school? Because he has a track record, Tony La Russa does, yes. of being anti-celebration, anti-unsportsmanlike. You know, mm -hmm. um, he, he's had a history of throwing at guys. I know that for a fact, having been in the other dugout. Uh, there was actually a, an, a, there was one time that uh, Carlos Lee popped up, missed a pitch, popped it up, threw his bat down, and you know maybe said, Conyo or something. And 
And LaRusa took umbrage with that and started yelling at him, you know. So, I mean, you can't even like fly out the way that Tony LaRusa wants. And then, to your point, we're both Tim Anderson fans just because he's athletic, he's strong, he plays the game with an, an unbelievable amount of enthusiasm, yeah. and he bat flips. I mean, you talk about an oddity of this, this connection and this mix happening right now. I mean, does that worry you at all? I mean, does he have a chance of losing the clubhouse early if he actually is the guy that's anti, anti-statement, anti-bat flip, anti-joy? I, you know, I, of course he does. I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, you know, it's, it's great to speculate and that's obviously why we're having the conversation. I just feel like, um, if everybody's on the same page from the beginning and it goes awry, that's one thing. But since there's already some kind of like chinks in the armor and some cracks in the tile, I just feel like it doesn't have, this has a lot more opportunity to go South than it does North. That's for sure. That's, that's, that's all I, point. I can say. Right. Yeah. I mean, no, you're Rick right. Khan can be rolling his eyes or shaking his head or, yeah. you know, I mean, awkward, awkward they, we haven't even conference. hit, yeah, we haven't really hit free agency. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're seriously. in free agency, but anyway, so th- that, that leads to the point of free agency or uh, let, before we jump there, what about AJ and, uh, and Alex Cora? Did you have thoughts on the two of them? Yeah. Well, AJ Hinch first, he signed in about 45 minutes and I, I'm not, I, you know, I think it speaks volumes to, to who he is and what teams thought about his involvement with the sign stealing scandal. They felt that it was, you could offset the value of AJ Hinch on the field with the scandal. I mean, the, the luggage is going to be there. You're going to deal with it. Fans are going to be upset. How can you sign a quote unquote cheater, even though he wasn't the run running it, you know, and, and put him in there. But I think it speaks volumes to AJ Hinch and, you know, the interesting thing about him getting hired so fast and being the first, you know, one of the names in the White Sox uh, conversation, one of the guys in the Detroit uh, conversation is, you know, if, if you, if you're an Astro fan, are you a little remorseful in the fact that you let them go so quick, you know, in Jeff Luno and AJ Hinch, because, you know, there's an interview on a podcast called the edge. Um, and I, I think the guy's name is Ben Ryder. Uh, and he did a very good job of investigating and getting interviews, but something in that Jeff Luno interview that Ryder has with him in the most current podcast where Luno says, I was penalized, the, and just take the quote, I was penalized the most for doing the least. And that's when I kind of thought about AJ and I'm going, man, you know, that's where fans might jump up and go, man, you know what? AJ was there. He looked over it. He didn't like it. He didn't encourage it but he didn't stop it. Is that enough for me to not want him to be my manager? And for some people, we know that it is because you've had conversations and I've had conversations where people are like, screw it, hire the guy. Let's go, you know, let's go Detroit Pistons and just be the bad boys of baseball and just, you know, have the, have these guys play, you know, work for us. But uh, it was kind of interesting, but it doesn't shock me that he got hired so quick. He, he's a value and he, he failed, uh, he, he admittedly failed. We had conversations about this. He admitted that he was overwhelmed in Arizona when he got the job and, you know, in his late thirties to manage, he failed at that, made the adjustment, came to the Astros, did a phenomenal job, obviously had the issue with leadership. I, I believe that he can make the adjustment and be a very good manager again. Yeah. Right. Baseball is a game of adjustments. Um, and I will say <laughs> yeah. this about, I will say this about AJ in that um, his press conference or the interview that I saw with him, where he just stood up and he apologized to the team that he's taking over, which I love. He goes, look, 
This is part yeah, of my history. Point. This is something we're going to have to address. So you guys, you're going to be asked about this all year long. So I apologize in advance for that. That's, you know, that's a leader of men. And mm -hmm. I don't think many guys that were in the clubhouse or the foxhole with him had any doubt about his character and the kind of manager he would be. I would say, uh, and I think I said this to you before, I mean, these guys all paid their dues as well. I mean, if they said two years or five years, then that would be a different punishment. But basically they said, look, you're going to be suspended from baseball for an entire year. Okay, I'm suspended. They serve their time. And the fact that organizations are willing to um, accept that they um, that they are, I don't know if rejuvenated, uh, you know, rehabilitated, rehabilitated or yeah. not. I don't know how that works in that in that realm. But, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen this happen with a ton of guys, whether it be steroids or some um, spousal abuse or some, you know, things like that. If you're going to help the ball club win and you, you know, these are multi-million dollar businesses and you want the best people in, in the right places, it, it can't be surprising to people, whether you agree <laughs> or disagree, it can't be surprising to people that AJ Hinch got hired, uh, you know, yeah. quite, quite easily. No, I'm with you on that. It's kind of funny that we talk about the sign stealing scandal and we just kind of glossed over. You've got to read this article that uh, Tuttle is talking about in the ringer because, and I'll, I'll do my, I'm going to add it to the show notes. So when you uh, download, when you download this podcast, uh, we will have it in the show notes if you click on details. And uh, it was kind of interesting that we talk about the sign stealing scandal, yet we completely glossed over all of LaRusse's issues. You know, uh, it was a blackjack McDowell that came out yeah. and said, oh, yeah, in the 80s, we had a guy in yeah. flashing lights on the scoreboard to tell us what pitchers, pitches were coming. And then you go through, oh, my gosh, the steroid era, you know, that's yeah. a whole nother realm of cheating. And he was, you know, he led the team of, of Reuters that went out there and won him a World Series championship. So he's got yeah. his own uh, uh, baggage going with him. And some news that came out over the weekend that we just found out today is that uh, the Boston Red Sox had very quietly brought Alex Cora back for an interview. And I'm wondering if that sets up for him uh, being reunited with the Boston Red Sox, which seems absolutely feasible because, like you said, he has paid his dues and he is back in the market. Well, and didn't the Red Sox, when he took over, they were, you know, they, they won the World Series when he took yeah. over. So you get either a choice of having a under a, a world... cloud of suspicion right. well and right cheating. but either way they won a world series Wasn't it Joe doesn't Kelly matter on that team oh hey Kelly. interesting Mookie yeah. bets yeah i don't know just saying <laughs> <laughs> i love it lover i love it my point is if he wasn't well respected in the clubhouse and they didn't feel like he could come back in and them go all right alex you served your you know you served your time mm -hmm. and now you're rehabilitated you're on we're all we're all rowing the boat together here if they didn't feel like that was possible, they would not have brought him in. Yeah. So again, we're in this spot where we, we, we have this vision of the way we want the world to be, you know, I don't know if it's uh, Nirvana. <laughs> good, good, or, good timing for that comment. Yeah. Right. It's like, Oh, I want it to be like this. And I want it to be like that, but you know what? These guys are baseball guys. And I, I said this on the last podcast, I want to reiterate it. I went golfing with a buddy of mine about two weeks ago and he's not a fan of the Dodgers either, but he's like, man, he goes, I want the Astros to win the World Series this year and just shut everybody up, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not an Astros fan either because, as you pointed out, we can read that Tony LaRusse article. There was some sign stealing stuff. Black Jack McDowell has come out and said that. Guys have been trying to steal signs <laughs> and gain an edge since, you know, Ty Cobb and Honus Wagner were wearing, you know, metal spikes. Like, yeah, exploding head cat or whatever <laughs> yeah. emoji. But, oh, I mean, man. come on. So we do, and I know this is where we sound like, all right, these are the baseball players and that's the rest of you know society and fans. But 
you know, if you're a fan of a team and the other team is, you know, supposedly had cheated, then you're just going to keep beating that drum and beating that drum and beating that drum. And that's not what players think about because, you know, and maybe the Dodgers were pissed off, but I guarantee you the reason the Dodgers are frustrated is because they try and steal signs the right way. (laughs) Right. I mean, technology was brought in, but I'm serious. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But they're not like, we're, we would never steal a sign that's like that's not <laughs> baseball right there are mm-hmm. ways like we said kind of the unwritten written rules like there are ways to do it but i think that's the fans get mistaken like you know they're just doing a fair and square they're just hitting a 98 mile an hour fastball without any sort of help at all and it's like well i mean there are a lot of nuances to the game there are a lot of uh, little tips and tricks and and you and i mentioned this before too eduardo perez would sit in the dugout and just he would try up, oh, got him. Yep, I got him. Three <laughs> like two, three outs in. Like it's it's almost yep. like name that tune. How quickly could you get the fact that he did this on a fastball and this on a curveball? Like they and just he could, and he could, and they mm-hmm. do. And that's 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 how you hit a ninety eight mile an hour fastball. You try and get ahead in the count, and then you try and get a tip, and mm-hmm. you know see what happens. Right? I mean, that's, that's part that's of the game. Do. Yeah, that's all you can do. You're looking for an advantage. These guys are throwing 100 miles an hour. If I can see when the guy's, guy's glove is moving, yeah. or if your catcher's an idiot and won't yeah. change the signs every right. pitch or every other pitch, uh, you know, then that's on you guys because that's yeah. the cat and mouse. That's the adjustment that doesn't get talked about with the sign stealing. For me, right. is that, you know, and I think John Smoltz actually said it on one of the broadcasts, or, you know, in previous years is, you know, I understand that everybody's frustrated with it, but if I know a guy's got my signs, guess what? It's up to me to change my signs to confuse them so that sounds very american and freedom you know like when people say i don't like that comedian or i don't like that radio station well guess what (laughs) just change the station people so anyway we got a little off track i mean my point really was that alex core as you know to come into the boston red sox which has always been a heralded franchise but now having won three world series since 2004 um, they're much more heralded even now than they were. And uh, they would not bring a guy in if they thought he was going to be a, um, a cancer and or, uh, yeah. um, you know, a problem in the clubhouse. So that's yeah, really they, interesting they, news. Yeah, you nailed it too earlier talking about AJ and Alex, you know, respected. So I mean, that, you know, that goes a long way. And how about, I mean, he's, you could bring him in and say, hey, our manager of the, of the uh, Red Sox is Alex Cora again. Now remember, he cheated to win us a championship. So that's good. <laughs> but, that's right. Uh, oh, the Boston fans are gonna have no problem with it. Yeah, when did you see, win us a championship? A 2018. Sweet. What year is it? 2020. Yeah. All right. That was only two and, and like a half years Astro ago. The Astro fans, if you hired yeah. Hinchback, they'd be like, "Sweet. All right. He yeah. was trying to help us win big time earlier. So let's do it again." That's <laughs> exactly right. Uh, okay, man. There's gonna be plenty more scrutiny on those guys, but this off season is gonna probably bring a lot of scrutiny also because. You know, the Athletic had an article telling everybody how each team had lost $100 million. And then that uh, it's free agent season right now. And we know that certain guys are getting qualifying offers, which basically is like the franchise tag for the NFL. Just the player has the option to pick to take the qualifying offer. It's basically a one year deal. And I believe this year it's right around eighteen and a half million dollars which is a solid chunk of change for these guys to consider. And I think given that, given the, uh, the, the temperature of this free agent season, maybe they take it, maybe they don't because they want to wait and see, you know, if fans come back, teams bolster their cash flow a little bit and are able to allow some bigger contracts. Uh, and so the, 
you know, there's only six guys. It's only interesting that out of 30 teams, six guys got the qualifying offer. Two of the biggest names are George Springer and Trevor Bauer. And I read just before we came on here that Trevor Bauer is turning his down because he can obviously get more money. I believe George Springer may turn his down because he could get bigger money somewhere else, possibly in the 20 millions. And uh, Brantley wasn't offered one. And that tells you that maybe they don't value uh, Brantley as being an $18.5 million player. And these are all things that are starting to kind of mold and form themselves into this weird free agent market that we're in with nobody having money to spend. And this is where I want to kind of get your idea of, you know, if we imagine ourselves as free agents going into the season, as good as Springer and Bauer are, who are they going to demand money is they may get that annual uh, average salary that they want, but they may not get the years. If they want to get the years, then the annual average salary won't be the same. So I think that's where there's going to be some weird compromise or necessary compromise to get the yearly benefit that you want, as opposed to the, the length of contract. And I want to know your ideas on it, because I think that's where things are going to get sticky in some of these org and some of these uh, negotiations that we see. You know, great, great thought and great analysis. I'm thinking about like Trevor Bauer, I thought before the season said he would just want to, you know, get rid of agents and he'd be his own agent. And he said he would just take 10 one-year deals. Mm -hmm. So he must think he can get better than one year, 18, you know, maybe he's thinking two years. He had had a Cy Young year in 2020. Granted it was abbreviated, Yeah, but I'm I'm with you. I think that he, for one year salary, he should get North of 20 million at least. he should. And what did Springer make last year? Was it 20 or 30? I can't remember. 20 no, or 22? Was, I think he might've been in like, it 17. was under 20. Yeah. It was oh, close he was. to okay. that mark, but yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe he was 17 then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but again, I think for some, some reason, like you said, and they have agents and they have advisors, they have people helping them through this process. Mm-hmm. But in all honesty, I mean, like, I would agree. I mean, that's what that's what all these guys did. Arenado and Trout and all these guys signed, you know, quote unquote, under market. Uh, deals so that the teams could lock them in or I shouldn't say under market but you know certainly if the market goes up they just guaranteed themselves some longevity in years and Arenado and Trout and all those guys signed kind of prior to you know being an actual free agent Uh, Mm -hmm. those are kind of the cream of the crop but somebody like Springer um, as you said maybe they should look at the landscape I mean one year 18 isn't bad but if he had one year 17 this year he maybe he thinks he can already get two years 50 or something or two years 40 and two years 40 would ultimately be better or even two years 35 which i think is your point right 17 and a half instead of 18 and a half but you get it for two years so you know it'll be interesting to see especially with the collective bargaining agreement coming up at the end of 2021 what these guys decide to do in terms of the length of contract and and i'll throw it back at you what do you think so yes, the qualifying offer, you know, you're, I don't George, think you're going to see 21 million last year. Okay. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of guys taking the 18 and a half just because of the unknown. Like, why would you take one year if you can get more, but it'd be interesting to see what their analyses show. Like, should they yeah. take two year, three year? Do you think we're going to see a lot of like four year deals coming out of the COVID year? Yeah, I do. Oh, you know, okay. cause I, I think that, you know, these generational talents, like you're talking about with the Mike Trouts, the Arenados, yeah, yeah. those guys are generational talents that command those 10 year, 10 year deals. Mm-hmm. Mookie Betts is another guy. Oh, yeah. um, and and it, it's also important to remember that the 2020 salary of 21 million was based on a full season. So he yeah. only got, I think 40% of that salary. 
but that's beside the point. It's just trying to give you a, an average salary where he might be looking. So 18 and a half million is going to be less than what he feels he's due, right. especially because of the season he put up. And that's where, that's where I was kind of leading was, is I do believe that you're not going to see that team step up and say, okay, we're going to give you seven years and uh, what, $155 million where you're, right. you know, you're like 25 million a year. I don't think that either one of these guys is a $30 million guy that you're going to get right. Garrett Cole type money. Yeah. But I do believe that they're a $25 million type guy. And are they willing to take, you know, four years, a hundred million, four years, 120 million, you know, where is that number for those guys? Well, I would take four years and 120 million because that would be that, that $30 million plateau. But I just four think years a hundred, maybe there you yeah, go. That's yeah, the four years, a hundred makes more sense. Right. And that's where you might be able to get these guys. But uh, Bauer, Bauer is a mercurial type individual as it is. So I would imagine he's going to have a real interesting off season. Uh, George uh, is going to find out that maybe he can't get the years he wants. The interesting thing about George, he's 31. And you know, as well as I do in baseball, that's uh, yeah. borderline Jurassic Park these days. So if you're going to get that, you know, six, seven year deal that puts you into your 37, 38 year old year, that's when you start to see regressions and some of the uh, analytics don't point in your direction. So I think that's where it kind of behooves George or somebody like uh, Steve Cohen for the Mets, who just bought the team, has a lot of cash on hand, didn't get hit by uh, last year's uh, COVID crisis, and uh, might be able to go after George and offer him that contract that brings him to somewhere that's close to Connecticut where George grew up. There, That's some good analysis right there. And I, I would agree with you in that, that I think George's age is going to come into play here. Trevor yeah. Bauer probably has 10 more years in the big leagues, you know, forget good injuries point. and all that stuff, but he's got 10 more years. He can take a couple one-year deals if he wanted it. I, I mean, elite pitching is hard to come by. We saw the Astros yeah, thin out quickly it. this year, so he's going to get paid. But I like your point about Springer. I really do. 31 years old. I mean, he's not going to get a holes deal like the Angels got, but he's got, you know, if I were him and I had some value in the market, I'd be looking at four or five years for sure, yeah. even if that's below $100 million. If it comes in at 75 85 95 million, but, you know, because like you said, he was 21 this year. You know, 31. his year was good. What? No, 30. 21 million was oh, the salary. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yep. 31 years old. So if he comes in at 22 for four years, that's 88. You know, mm -hmm. I think if he gets north of 85 million for a four or five year deal, that'd be really hard to turn down at 31. And honestly, I know that they, uh, you know, this better than I, the union and people like that get involved <laughs> and what can you yeah, have, do. but you know, dude, 80 million bucks and you're 31 years old, you, you you'd be pretty good for the rest of your life, I think. So yeah. I know it's not about setting that up, but that's certainly something you consider if you're going to be like, well, you know, I don't want to sign for 27 million a year. I want to get 31 million a year. It's kind of like, eh, you know, at this age, you know, you have to, as you said, the analytics come into play, the regression, maybe if he gets a five-year deal, you got to think he would take it. I agree. Here's my call. He's going to go to the Mets four years, 120 million. They're going to oh. give him the money he wants. Oh, they're going to give him 30. Wow. I was thinking, and I haven't done as much research as you, um, but we it just kind of hit me. I was thinking about it. I'm like, dude, that guy, I mean, that guy's George Springer. If you can get fans in the stands, he's going to put butts in the seats. Oh yeah. And they have a decent base. That team is yeah, decent. They I do. Mean, They're looking for an uptick, man. And he would bring it. Yeah. He would bring an uptick that and a pitcher, right? So you add somebody yeah. to the Cy Young to Grom and now you've got, maybe you've got Superman back. Get like Syndergaard back. Yeah. Four. Yeah, yeah. Man. Dude, they could, they could actually, you're right. Make a dent. Wow. I, I, so, so the 120 million looks better there. I, I could also see him 
you know, shocker. Maybe we, we touched on this a couple of weeks ago off air, but I could see him following AJ somewhere, at least some of those guys following AJ Hinch. True. So if he's a free agent and Detroit isn't going to come in at the four year, $120 million and the market mm-hmm. kind of shakes out and Steve Cohen doesn't follow uh, Jeff Blum's advice. Um, <laughs> then, you know, yeah, there, but then, you know, maybe he takes 85 or $90 million for, you know, a three or four year deal mm-hmm. in Detroit. And that, that looks pretty dang good too. And AJ knows what kind of guy he's getting in, you know, and, and vice versa. Yeah. So those are the two good spots, I think. Yep. And that's just a brief outlook on the free agent market. Uh, that's pretty much all I had as far as baseball news. Tuttle, uh, you know, what are you going to say? Do you got anything to say? What will Tuttle I've say, got, man? You know, I wish I've had a lot of substance to this. I will throw a what will Tuttle say at you because I wrote down a note a couple of weeks ago, but I, I was watching uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman call a football game. And I stepped out of the room for a bit. And I really like, we've talked about this. I mean, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, man, if you can get Tony Romo, <laughs> yeah. he is so money. It is so crazy how good he is. So money um, and you don't even know it, baby. That's right. But I don't even know why other people don't do the analysis the way he does. I listened to Michael Vilma or Jonathan Vilma, the Saints yeah. guy. I watched the uh, game this weekend. I think it was the Rams game, which was terrible. I'm not even a mm-hmm. Rams fan, but that was pretty ugly. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, he wasn't great. Tony Romo's great. And, uh, and I really like Troy Aikman and Joe Buck and they have a good rapport and all this stuff. You got to close your eyes, fans, any bleacher bum person and listen to uh, Troy Aikman. He sounds just like John Madden, just like John Madden. It is hilarious. Has anybody ever have heard that? Has, is this, is this like a known thing? Cause I had no him? idea. And I close my eyes and I leave the room and Aikman's like, yes, well, you know, he wouldn't have made that football play if he wasn't playing football. And you're like, I was like, oh my God, that was John Madden. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, everything he says is like, you know, yes, when they line up in twins, you know, you know, they're going to run it. And it's like, you know, and boom, he ran it, you know, and you're like, what? It is so crazy. So why are you laughing? I need to know. Is it because I missed the boat on this? Is this a common theme? Okay. No, this this is this is spot on because right. it was one of those plays. I was watching the same game and uh, all of a sudden he goes, you know, I think somebody got squared up and just knocked that. Yeah. He goes, that was a football play. And he goes, <laughs> and he kind of yeah. gave that Madden laugh. And I went, yeah. oh my gosh, dude. I go, I've heard that before. And that but even the sentence, <laughs> yeah, but even the set, that was a football play. Like, what does that mean, right? So if you played EA Sports at all, right? You played it on your, yeah. you know, Madden NFL on your, uh, on your PlayStation. I mean, I, tr- just plug in Troy Aikman. So Dude. folks, I want to hear some feedback and tweets regarding that. I'm going to listen more closely. I, I could not, I could not get it out of my head. And that was like in the second quarter. And by the middle of the third quarter, I'm like, I'm listening to John Madden light or John Madden. The second it was crazy. You are. So you got the same impression. That makes me feel better. I thought when you were laughing that I missed the boat, like this is a something that's been going oh, around social media it, dude oh my gosh that's what was... made me laugh man because you know he chuckled a couple times and i'm like i think he's gargling on his spit <laughs> and all of a sudden it was like dude that was yeah. that is that was john madden yeah and i'm he... glad you called out because i couldn't put a name to it when uh. i heard it i'm like god that sounds really familiar and it's cracking me up because he, he was like he just he just slammed his helmet into his chest that's a football play and i was like yeah. oh what? my god john madden's calling me or it's like <laughs> boom and there, he hits the hole right there. And you're like, what? That's he where you got to hit it. You got to hit right. that hole. The hole opens up and you got to hit the hole. Oh. How many times are you going to say hole, Troy? <laughs> it was amazing. 
So there you go. That that's a brief Weddle Tuttle say. I it, I wrote it down a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, Troy Aikman sounds just like John Madden. So. That's a great call. Call All of the right. day. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, as far as what yeah. I've got, please, what? yeah, give us a yeah. blast, Blummer. My only blast is is that I am nervous as hell. And oh. today's Wednesday. You won't hear this podcast uh, for for a day or so, but I will be well into my my PGA career as a starter. And what this entails is, as far as I know, because I haven't been given any official instruction yet, and I'm sure I'll get it about 10 minutes before the guys hit the tee box, is that uh, I'm going to be on the 10th tee, as you know, in the PGA. They will let guys go from uh, the first tee and the 10th tee in order to get on everybody Thursdays, to get their rounds yeah. in. Get everybody yeah. get off. So I will be on the 10th tee announcing the groups as they tee off. And I've gotten, I've gotten my list of golfers. Let's front practice. And back. And that's the thing is I have been practicing and I have gone from as I've gone from here's group one with the 110 PM tea time for the Vivint Houston open on the tea box will be Keegan Bradley, or I've been next on the tea box will be Dustin Johnson. <laughs> I think the so, second one for sure, for sure, the second one. Now, what, what's going to happen? Get if, your hands in the air, everybody. Come on, get your DJ hands up. Dustin Johnson. Woo. <laughs> that sounds pretty good, but I'm sitting there, and I did that one time. I'm like, so I, I got a list of guys. Oh, I don't have my phone on me, but I got a list of guys that are coming through the 10th tee, and DJ's one of them. Uh Adam, like, Adam Scott, you know, I mean, what do I just go Adam Scott, you know, I don't know how to do this. And I want to know, like, what if I did go after him and say, lefty Phil Mickelson, give me one. No, you just have to, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, come into the uh, 10th tee box. Now we have uh, <laughs> out of uh, Southern California, Dustin Johnson, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Golf clap. Anyway, I mean, I, he's, I think he's you'll know. The left side of the fairway. <laughs> oh yeah, then start commentating. Yeah. That he would make out it better. The three wood. I can't believe he's such a wuss. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he's using a seven iron. Oh, he's going to play the whole round with a seven iron. Haven't we seen that somewhere before near Houston? Yeah. yeah. And there's In some cup. names on here that worry me a little bit. Oh, really? I've Give got Hideki. One. I've got Hideki Matsuyama. Oh, that's easy. Come on. But there's Zinjin Zhang. Ooh. Zinjin Zhang. Zhang, isn't it Zhang? Zhang. Yeah, you got. Well, I don't know. I've I've put the T and the H and C and H together, but oh. not the Z and H. I've heard that's it's where I get Zhang, but Zhang. Hey, Zinjin Zhang. Yeah, and I don't think Zhang! I don't think Zinjin will look at you like you know <laughs> automobile. <laughs> yeah, what if they come over and go, dude? It's Blum. Because I have a paranoia with names. I don't know if I've oh. ever told you this. You know, when I was a freshman in college, we went to the College World Series and we're playing yes. a, at Rosenblatt Stadium and it's on ESPN. My mom and dad hadn't traveled out of the, uh, California to watch me play a baseball game ever. Uh, oh. Maybe to Arizona when we played Arizona State, but we went, we're in the World Series, man. And I'm a freshman. I'm starting at shortstop. I'm, I feel like a badass, man. I'm like, dude, yeah. my, my cleats are shined up. Get your I've eye got... black on. Like you're yes. rocking. Yeah. You kidding me? I know. And I'm digging in and I'm, I'm digging in against Miami. <laughs> Charles, you know, Dave Berg's playing shortstop. Uh, Charles, Charles Johnson's Johnson. a yep. catcher. And I dig, <laughs> this gives you a good idea. I was a cocky 18 year old man. 
I dig mm-hmm. in. I don't know Charles Johnson from anybody other than reading his name in Baseball America and knowing he's really good and he's a monster. Yeah, he's super tall. I, di- I dig in and then I go, what's up, CJ? <laughs> I mean, this dude goes. Uh-huh. Slider. As I'm digging in and I'm going, man, this is my moment to shine. I'm feeling big and bad. I've got my you know, chest is out, shoulders are back, bats up. The PA guy comes on and goes, now batting for the California Golden Bears, number 11, Geoff Bloom. Yeah. Yep. You're a badass. Full deflation. Yeah. I went from here to, and that was the end. I went, huh. oh, for six. Huh. Come on. <laughs> you should have puffed your chest out and said, yeah, I'll show you Geoff Bloom. <laughs> that Geoff guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't, I don't know anything about that Geoff guy. <laughs> you know, there's probably a little more to that than the announcer, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, but really I really good but, pitching. Yeah. yeah, right. But your but your points well taken. Yeah, I, I, I. It's funny that you are actually coming clean about this because I was telling my wife who used to swim in junior college, I said, you know that feeling you get when you're standing on the starter blocks, like the nervousness you have like before a race. Yeah. And she goes, Yeah, I hate that feeling. I never got good at handling that. And I'm like, Oh, I oh. said, Well as an athlete, I said, that's the feeling you need before a game. Like you need to have that feeling. And as I've said this on the podcast before, I've said it a million times in my life. I mean, uh, somebody said a long time ago, it's not about not having butterflies. It's about getting them to fly in formation. So, you know, the Geoff Bloom guy, you know, he kind of got your butterflies a little out of whack there, but you know, you want to be nervous and you want to have this anxiety or this, this excitement. But by the same token, that helps feed your visualization and your focus yeah. and all that stuff. So it definitely is a skill set to master. And I think for someone like you who does, you know, color play by play on TV and maybe you don't get the immediate thing and you're remembering all these things in the past. I mean, dude, essentially, you're just reading people's names. And honestly, if you screwed a name up, which you're not going to do, it wouldn't be Thank the you. end of the world. But, uh, you know, I, I would be nervous, too. And I think one of the part if you're not nervous, then that means you're not going to be focused on it, right? Like, yeah, it means you don't like, care. That's yeah, right. You're, you're just right. going to be kind of so. Anyway, so you do care, and you know, think about it this way too. You're reading people's names, yeah. So, right? Honestly, like, I think yeah. I can do Keegan Bradley. Yeah, okay, <laughs> got that one out. All right. Yeah, Tim White. White. <laughs> you know. Anyway, anyway so uh, yeah. that's cool though, and so. Give us a little more color around what the job entails aside from, you know, free golf for life on the course and all that stuff. But I mean, you're really just going to announce everybody on Thursday. Do you have to do it on Friday as well? Um, I will not be doing it on Friday, but I will be doing it again on Saturday, which is even more fun because you'd get some of the cuts and it'd be a little more intense. And uh, I get to wander the course because I actually have a PGA credential. I got my COVID negative wristband on so I can go into certain areas, which is going to be a blast. But uh, um, I actually went down and shot a promo yesterday and watched some of the guys take a practice round. Uh, I got to see Phil Mickelson's calves up close and in person as he, as he bombed a driver. And uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. And that's probably going to be the most fun for me is actually watching these guys up close on a tee box and just watching them compress. Cause I mean, we've gotten a hold of golf balls and been like, damn, bro, you crushed that one, man. You got that one good. (laughs) And then we're going to, I'm going to go watch these guys and go, Oh, Jesus. Did you just see that? You know, so it'll be a lot of fun, but uh, I, I, you know, this is, 
this is the one of the perks of the job. You know, when I first, uh, you know, in 2017, I got to go on Radio Row at the Super Bowl when it was here in Houston. So that was like a bucket list media thing. And now I get to uh, cross over and really get to watch a sport that I, I've really become to enjoy and uh, know a little bit about. So I'm excited. Dude, it's going to be awesome. You should relish it. The other thing that's cool is these guys are here in Houston this week. And then next week, they're going to be at... The in the masters, masters right isn't that next week or the week after so it's, it's a, a week, week or after two. oh okay yeah. but either it's way yeah these are guys that you're going to be announcing their name yeah, they're, they're there and to they're go. ready yeah. to go yeah and they're yeah and you're going to be watching them mm-hmm. up close and you're going to see their golf game and then you know regardless of whether you go to the masters this year or not it's uh i'm going to tuck it away yeah you're going to tuck it away and watch it and you'll be able to remember that so maybe that's we should great, bet man. on golf next week we should bet on the masters somehow oh i'm in i'm in yeah because we're going to have John Johnny Adams, our uh, golf guru, on with us, our looper, and he's going to talk looper. about the Masters in the next uh, podcast. And uh, that's going to do it for Bleacher Blums. Again, we appreciate all the first responders out there, all the front line frontliners, all the essential workers, everybody that has been grinding through this incredibly long year. Uh, we appreciate you. And I guess we might as well throw in those people who uh, – tabulate votes or count the votes i don't know you know this whole thing is insane but it's a what an incredible process to watch unfold here in america but uh, we are truly blessed to be here no matter the outcome we are always going to open the doors for everybody in our bleachers because we are all inclusive and we enjoy having you around great job again mr tuttle plumber you say that every time i gotta have some uh some uh some ego boost uh weekly and this this does it for me i really appreciate you and i appreciate the podcast it's been great um i agree with you we want to invite all comers difference of opinion is fine but uh yeah right now we're recording this on a wednesday and the election was last night and we still don't know who's won the presidency which is so 2020 which you already pointed in. i just picture someone going 75 76 77 oh where was i where was i oh let me start again why does it always have to be the old lady anyway so another good podcast thanks for having me in the bleachers everyone and yeah uh, shout out to the first responders we encourage everybody as we know you guys have already voted but get after it